We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him uh, Gandalf. Because like he's never early or late, he's always <laughs> at the right time. Yeah, my job is to never stop, regardless of percentages. I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again, I'm here to stay. Hello and welcome to the Uncontested podcast where we cover the NBA, OKC, Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and our website, theuncontestedsports.com. Today, I'm the Thunder Mob, Jacob. Well, I'm, I'm the Thunder Mob every day, but today I'm here. <laughs> I'm joined by Taylor. Today I'm Taylor. Tomorrow we'll see. And I'm also joined by <laughs> Nick. What up? Nick didn't want to get in on the joke. That's okay, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not funny enough, guys. It is just us three today. Kamiar and Justin are out. Family Justin stuff. doesn't have a voice, and Kamiar, yeah. yeah, he's. Justin's been really hanging cool out person, with Alex Sabrinas and Nerlens Noel too, too much. <laughs> Kamiar is eating Persian food. And Fancy so, Persian food, apparently. Yep. So it is us three. <laughs> we are going to break down. It's been about a week since we've come together and all talk together on a podcast. So we're going to talk about some Thunder basketball. We're going to talk about the plethora of things going on around the league right now and we have a pretty fun pop culture minute for you guys so a lot on the docket let's go ahead and jump right in gentlemen thunder are two and one since we podcasted last they've beat the knicks the suns and then they lost to the kings last night Kamir and i broke that down on the post game podcast 
But obviously the one loss comes when Russell Westbrook returns to the lineup. So that brings up my first question. Is this just an outlier and Russ getting back in the flow of things that they lost the game, both games when he came back? Or did this team find a rhythm while he was out and now bringing Russ back in his style of play um, maybe have a negative effect on, on the positive things that were happening with the squad? I think that um, Russ... We, we, we did find some chemistry and we did get some flow going while he was out. And when he, when he did come back, it did throw that off a little bit. And that's nothing that that's, you know, negative towards Russ or saying that we would have been better without him. It's just whenever you don't play for that long and all these other guys are getting chemistry together, even the smallest adjustment can throw things off. Exactly. And he was, he was shaking rust off too last night. You know, he, yeah, he was he, forcing a bit. He was forcing a lot. And we see that with Russ. you know, when, when his shots aren't going or if he gets in foul trouble early or if something's not going his way, he starts, or if, if the team's even just behind, you know, he starts to force things. And we definitely saw that last night. He was doing things he hasn't done um, in the few games we've seen him play this season where he's, you know, Shooting three, like, I think. Well, I think before tonight, um, after his first three pointer, I'm pretty sure the broadcast said that was that was only his third three pointer of the season, and I could be completely wrong. Maybe it, maybe it was like his third make. This regardless, he has not shot very many three pointers this season. He was absolutely forcing it last night, and yep. I think that was out of frustration um, due to him trying to shake that rust off. Also, he's out of shape, um, not out of shape in the sense that it's going to take him a while to get back into shape. Yeah, just but he's have, missed six games. Yeah, right? they just have game speed. You could tell he was gassed. Right. I thought. There were times so you could tell he he's was gonna, tired. He's going to jack the ball up more, um, take more further, more shots further from the uh, the basket than typical. He's not going to be driving to the hole quite as much. So I think this is just more of Russ getting uh, reacquainted, and also Shooter getting reacquainted as well. We talked about how exciting it is, you know, moving him back with that second unit to kind of give them that spark, and obviously playing some with the starters as well and with Russ again. But Shooter's been. Like Nick said, you know, he's been he kind of got used to playing with these with those starters and uh, it's going to take a while for him or not a while, but it's going to take a little bit for him to get reacquainted as well. And then, of course, we're missing a lot of pieces right now, too. Um, you know, yep. we are missing Abrinas because uh, he was still sick. We were missing Noel because him and Abrinas have been making out or something. Um, and he's God, sick. I hope not. <laughs> That'd be that, Yeah. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> and then we were missing Ferg because. Congratulations to the Fergusons, or to Ferg and his, uh, I believe it's his girlfriend or fiance. Now um, she has had a baby. So, you know, that's a lot of big pieces right there. A lot of rotation pieces you're missing. And that's going to play a factor as well. Definitely. You talked about kind of getting out of the flow and the, the rhythm and the chemistry they had. Uh, I thought one aspect of that was Steven Adams. Uh, only 10 field goal attempts against Sacramento last night. Uh, yes. Prior to that, I mean, we're looking at 15, 13, 13, 11, 12, 12, uh, 11 points last night compared to 26, 19, 18, 20, 19, 9, yes. and 18. Like, so, uh, Stephen, there was a, a very stark correlation of Russell Westbrook getting back on the court and Stephen Adams' shots um, and, and production going down. Uh, obviously, so Stephen isn't a sorry. guy that creates his own shot, you know. And um, and Russ comes in and puts up what twenty five shots last night, and so exactly. uh, uh, the the obvious casualty of that from last night was Stephen Adams. 
Exactly. And I, I kind of added this to the bottom of our Thunder segment for, uh, for you to bring up, Jacob. But I really like that you brought it up now. I think it's a really good uh, kind of not even a transition, but just something to add on to the game and the recent Thunder play. You know, Steven has been so huge for this team recently, particularly during this time that Russ was out. And one thing that I really loved seeing was, especially with the second unit, where Billy would keep him in there, uh, they were really even like running the offense through him. You know, they were throwing the ball down low to him. He would post up the defender. Uh, sometimes, like against the Knicks, he would be drawing double teams. And then, like we talked about in a couple of our postgame pods, you know, he's kicking it out to shooters. Uh, it just creates so much more space. And I really love seeing the offense run through him. But one uh, stat that I found that was really interesting, I don't have the most recent, uh, recent stat of this because me and Jake were trying to find it pre-pod and we ran out of time. But... Before the Suns game, so this is two games ago now, the Thunder were outscoring opponents by 12.6 points per 100 possessions when Steven was on the floor. Meanwhile, they were being outscored by 9.9 points per 100 possession when he's off for a net rating of plus 22.5, which is just huge for the scene. Yeah, and then you, you brought number. up, Jacob, you brought up that he didn't really get a lot of opportunities last night, and I agree with you completely. That's a lot of Russ trying to get back into rhythm, get back into shape, find a shot again. And like you said, the casual is going to be Steven. But just kind of to justify that, uh, he had two free throws at the 320 mark. This is per Brady Trantham of uh, the franchise. He uh, So Steven shot two free throws at the 320 mark of the third quarter. He missed both of them. He only had one more shot attempt for the rest of the entire game. So basically he only shot one time the entire fourth quarter, which is just unacceptable, particularly when he was playing so well against uh, – Giles, yeah, or is they, it Giles, they, or however you say it. He, I mean, he is just mon- monster, like just completely dominated both Giles and Willie Cauley Stein. And you know, I, I thought those guys are kind of like skinny, athletic, like get up above the rim kind of guys. Where Stephen just like bullies people. And I thought they could have gone into Stephen for some easy buckets um, when the offense started kind of faltering against Sacramento last night. Um, yeah. So I, I, it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement that this is definitely because I've, we've all kind of seen this on Twitter today. Like this isn't a Russell Westbrook. Trade problem. Russ. Yeah. Russ isn't the problem by any stretch of the imagination. Um, for reference, Russ's first game back um, from the knee scope early this season was against Sacramento as well. That was a loss. Next game was a loss. But then Russ was with the team for one, two, three, four, five straight wins when they were really starting to rattle stuff off, beat Phoenix, beat the the Clippers, beat Charlotte, beat Washington, beat New Orleans. And then he went out, obviously, for the Cleveland, Houston, Dallas, Phoenix, like all the way up to the Sacramento game. But they really had kind of turned a corner whenever Russ came back at the beginning of the season. So I think it's it's just going to be a matter of get Russ back integrated and and they'll be fine. And here's here's the thing that stuck out to me most as far as stats last night. Uh, 10 of I know this is skewed a little bit because of the end of the game he started hoisting a little more, but 10 of Russ's 25 shots last night were threes. That's that's 40% of his shots are threes. I don't care what kind of rhythm, Yuck. chemistry, flow we have. If Russ, if 40% of Russ's, Russ's shots in a game are three-pointers, that's never going to be a good recipe for success. I agree. Ever. I totally agree. And um, he, when yep. he came back early, remember in that in that Celtics game, he jacked up a bunch of threes. And then after the game, he said, I, I got to tone it back a bit. 
And then after that Celtics game, in the next five games, I think he was averaging like 1-3 a game. He really toned it back and focused on getting downhill. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back to that again. You know, I I was telling Kamir last night as we watched the game, for a guy that's maybe not in game shape right now and is kind of sucking air, uh, hasn't hasn't been out there running for a long time, shooting a pull-up three takes a lot less energy than putting the ball on the floor, driving past somebody and absorbing contact at the rim. Exactly. You know, and especially when he's rusty like that. Yep. So it's uh, a part of it might have just been a, um, a, a he's tired thing. You know, yeah, and you're right. And and uh, after that Boston game, um, he went a five game stretch, and through those five games, he only shot nine total threes. Yep, there you go. So there it is. You, uh, gotcha. Yeah, you, you can't be too upset with that. I think I think he's going to get back to that pretty soon, probably tomorrow night, to be honest. Okay, so the reason Russ hadn't played was the ankle, but then he missed the game down in Phoenix because Nina Westbrook gave birth to their twin daughters. Pretty Ballers. exciting. The uh, the queens of the prairie have arrived. Uh, princesses, right? The princesses of the prairie. <laughs> Sky and Jordan. Is that right? Because it's a play yep. on Air Jordan, yep. kind of. Yeah, hey, that's cool. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a J O R D Y N. Yep, and S K Y E. Y E. Yeah. So, kind of some cool, unique spellings. Yep. So, we talked about Russ being out. We talked about how Ferg's fiance i think gave birth yes i I think they're they're engaged alex abrinas has been out with the flu nerland's noel has now been out with the flu which has opened up playing time for a lot more people primarily the past two games we've seen a lot of tlc and we've seen a lot of deandre burton burton not nearly as much as tlc tlc has actually closed the past two games with the starters they they've put diallo on the bench and closed with tlc's tlc's tlc um (laughs) so i want to know what you guys think about the the performances from these wings since abrinas and ferguson have been out What, what do you think about diallo starting and the production he's had and then a guy that we thought was going to be in the rotation right off the bat Timothy Luawu Cabarro, who has not been, and finally got, I mean, he got more minutes in that Phoenix game than he had every other game of the season combined. So he came in, and then obviously we kind of know what we get with Burton, but I really want to know what you guys thought about Diallo starting and what you thought about TLC in these two games when all the wings have been out. So I will say that I think uh, Hammy starting maybe was like a little overwhelming for him at first. And I think we saw that last night. He got off to an awful start. And part of that was because Shump just, when he plays the Thunder, he just turns into freaking LeBron James and decides he's going to make everything. Um, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be tough on a rookie to begin with, particularly when that's your man you're supposed to be guarding. Yeah, Shump cooked um, him. But w- so I think that might have been a little overwhelming for him. But the thought of it, I love to begin with. But then Hammy comes out. You know, the rest of the game, second quarter, quarter on, basically, he was seven to seven for 18 points. He was two to two from three. He had a couple steals, which what I love about him um, a long time ago. Actually, I wrote one article for Thunder Digest. Uh, Our listeners probably follow Thunder Digest and Chuck. And it was about Cameron Payne. And I said, Cameron Payne's the spark plug that the Thunder need off that bench. Well, this year, that spark plug and obviously that didn't turn out very well. Uh, Maybe I jinxed 
Cameron Payne because no after that season Taylor. he fell apart. Exactly. So I'm not going to be writing an article about Hamadou Diallo because I love him dearly. However, <laughs> um, he's kind of that spark plug for this team. You know, we've seen that this season so far, him coming off the bench, but when he's in that starting lineup, I mean, he's doing things like getting those steals. Um, he, he really kind of spark some of those comebacks watching him and Russ. I think it was like at the, the end of the second quarter, or maybe it's the midway through the third. It was one of those comebacks that they had uh, where they or him and uh, Russ were both running, running the floor, getting steals, got a couple bucks in trans- transition. Next thing you know, it's like a single digit game. And uh, that's, that's been really exciting. And I, I really love what he brings. And I think I, I was listening to the uh, dream team earlier today when I was walking, walking my dog. And one thing I really like. Uh, that Andrew said about Hammy is that he, he there's a lot of mystery around him. There's so much to be excited about, and we just you never really know what he's going to show you. It, it seems like each game he shows you something new that he possesses and something new that he can do, and that's really really exciting. Um, and so I'm I'm pumped about Diallo. Really excited about him, and I really do love him in the first unit. I just want to see him improve on on the defensive side, which will come because he's a rookie. Um, so if you want, I can di- start diving into TLC, but do you guys have anything you want to talk about Diallo and then we can move on to TLC as a group or how do you want to do it? Diallo's out. T- I just said Tiallo. Tiallo. I combined TLC and Diallo. I, I messed I you up there. I'm having a rough <laughs> night, guys. Diallo, <laughs> I, I, I think people just aren't ready for his athleticism. Like yep. he got a steal last night in the Sacramento game where De'Aaron and Fox was in front of him and – Diallo beat him to the rim and dunked it. Just straight, yeah. And, and with, Fox with the ball, is, and Fox, yeah, Fox is fast. <laughs> you know, like Fox is really fast. I, I think some people just kind of get taken taken off guard by Diallo's just freak athleticism. And uh, and yeah, I mean the the two threes were were very surprising. the The first one, Russ kicked out to him, and I was like, uh. But it was a corner three open. He just splashed it through. And the second one he hit was there in like when it was getting really tight in the third or uh, or the fourth quarter there. And um, Diallo hit the three and turned around and looked at Sacramento's bench and started chirping a bit. That was which, awesome. Which was, yeah, kind of cool. So he's uh, – if he can continue to, uh, to, to shoot those threes consistently – and that's a that's a big if. Like that's something we shouldn't expect from him for like two more years. But if he can right. consistently knock down that shot, like he's gonna be a deadly offensive player for us because he's gonna be a guy that can hit the three, who's crazy athletic and can get to the rim on cuts and drives, and he can attack a closeout, and that's really what you want to pair with Russ and PG and Adams in this offense. So I think it's uh it's a good sign, you know, but I, again, I also think he's he's going to have growing pains and I'm just afraid people are going to get too high on Hamadou Diallo and and 15 games when he's not doing much of anything, people are going to get really upset. I mean, he's a rookie. He's a really young rookie. There's ups and downs. You know, he's we got to give him time, but I, I think everyone's pretty much on board that we think this kid has the tools to be a really good player. Uh, in the future. So, Nick, what did you think about TLC? Uh, has, has he shown you anything that, that excites you? Anything that surprised you? I don't think he surprised me. I think now that he's got minutes, he's exactly the player I thought he was going to be. Uh, I, I most noticed that he got his minutes, and it seems like for the most part, I know there has been some flashes of it, uh, TLC didn't come in 
you know, trying to do too much to, to prove that he's, you know, should be earning these minutes. Uh, for the most part, he's shooting rhythm threes and transition layups, which, I mean, that's all we really need him to do. And I think that's going to impress the coaches quite a bit. See, one thing that really surprised me with TLC, and I know Brett Dawson's kind of on record saying that he's, he was also surprised, like many of us, that TLC wasn't getting minutes early on. So he he did a little research, started talking to some people in the in uh, in with the associate or not the association, the the organization is the word I'm looking for there. And the rumor was that they weren't super confident in TLC's ability to defend. And then you know we kind of saw that early on in the Phoenix game, but once it kind of like Cammy, you know, once he kind of got acquainted and a little more comfortable, he played some really solid defense for us in both of those games and really kind of gave us a spark on offense this past game in Sacramento when nobody else was doing anything. We were down by 19 and TLC was kind of keeping us alive. Um, so that was really promising and really exciting. You know, I, I'm still not completely sure what to think. Um, you know, Josh Hustis, before, when we look back on Hustis's run with OKC, we think of some of those negative games and kind of, the end of his run with OKC where he's kind of fell apart uh, was lacked so much confidence that he's missing free throws and it was just kind of a mess. But early on when he got a couple of these games like this, like, you know, two years ago and uh, when, when we were really depleted kind of like this because of either injuries or, you know, Kevin Durant left and we were just a depleted team in general. There was a couple of games where Josh Hustis came in and gave us, you know, some really good sparks and played some really good defense. And we were kind of high on him up until last season. Um, so it, it just makes me a little skeptical to get too high on TLC because what if he does get regular minutes? Does he turn into a Houston yep. uh, where he has a good game here or there and then just it's kind of like, eh. or are we completely wrong and he's just on Billy's bad list and we're really deep this year and there's no, no really need for TLC. So he just doesn't see the floor. I, I'm really not sure. Yeah. And I always warn people <clears throat> of sample size whenever you don't play much, you're not on a scouting report. And so you come in, and teams typically don't know what to expect of you, and you do That's some stuff. That's a really stuff, good point. And then I, I, I've said it on this pod multiple times before. You mentioned him earlier, Taylor, Cameron Payne. You know, early on in his rookie year, he eventually took over the backup point guard duties from DJ Augustine, and he came out and he played really well. He was shooting threes. He was passing. He was collapsing the defense, getting to the rim, and then dropping off dimes. And so he started to pop up in scouting reports. And what's, once people started to read scouting reports and saw sit on his left hand, he, he was done. Like that, that is the moment that he was done in Oklahoma City is whenever opposing defenses learned if you just sat on Payne's left hand, uh, he couldn't do anything going right. And so it's the same thing that I think is eventually going to happen with Hamadou Diallo. Um, and if TLC continues to get minutes, it'll happen with him. Right now, yep. people aren't worried about these guys, and so your focus isn't anywhere near them. Once you start to learn their tendencies, though, um, it becomes that much easier to defend them, and, and you can take away the the one or two things that they love to do and make them go to different things, and then they become not as good. I also thought that although TLC played well offensively, I thought late in the game he he struggled quite a bit as far as knowing when to rotate, when to help, and he left shooters open way too often. I noticed that. 
That's so, a great point. Yeah, yep. he, and, and there's a lot of those three pointers. Offensive uh, chemistry is real. Defensive chemistry is also real. We've talked a lot about how the way this team plays defense, and to to throw somebody who hasn't been playing into that mix, it just it muddies it up. It makes it you know it it's it's hard. It's like if you get a new job and you go in, you don't have chemistry with those new people. You don't know the flow of things. That's basically what's going on there. And and you could see. And Steven Adams even said something about that, I think, after the Phoenix game, that he was just impressed by the, the, the guys who haven't gotten any playing time coming in and doing their job defensively when they don't have, like, the rhythm and the run with the guys that have already been doing it. So yeah. I think it's and, an interesting main, point. Maintaining that style of play, you know, that's, that's really big. I think, too... To uh, TLC's credit, one thing he did do last night is he did maintain that style of play. He ran the floor, and uh, he that's maybe the, the most important defense. thing he's done is just run. Yep. You know, running for this team is huge because if you can get on the break, they're going to find you. All right, let's talk about another wing, Paul George. He's really freaking good at basketball. He's about all awesome. I can say. He's he's been insane. Over the stretch that Russ has been out, Paul has thrown the team on his back. He's been incredible offensively, shooting 40% from three, averaging like 29 points a game, six rebounds, like four assists. And I think it's pretty easy to argue that he's been better defensively than he's been offensively. What's the difference? We th- This seems like a different Paul George than what we saw last year. So what what's the change? What do you guys think? Is it just comfortability? And, yeah, I think and, I think it's I think it's being comfortable and just confidence. Um, especially these games without Russ, it was kind of went back to old Indiana Paul George, and I think that him having the ball in his hands that much more kind of gave him some confidence. And I'm just hoping it continues going forward, even with Russ back. I got a I hot take. You ready? Oh, sorry. Go for it. Play so, the sounder. Play the sounder. Oh, okay. Do, do I play it before I give the <laughs> hot take or after, or should I oh. play it while I'm saying it so nobody can hear it? <laughs> I'll give the hot take, then <laughs> you tell me you. if I need to hit the button. Okay. In those Eastern Conference Finals runs that PG had in Indiana, if his point guard would have been Schroeder instead of Jeff Teague and his center would have been Steven Adams instead of Roy Hibbert, they would have yep. made it to the finals. They would, that, they would have beat that, that Miami team. LeBron? Yeah, they would have beat that Miami-LeBron team. Oh, that's I don't hot. know, Hibbert... Hibbert even though he was an all-star and shouldn't have been, his numbers still weren't that much higher than Steve's, I don't think. But I think Steven well, is a way, on both agreed. sides, like, box score aside, just eye test, Steven Adams is so much better than Hibbert. Hibbert could yeah, block Hibbert. shots, but Steven Adams would have defended so much better in that series, especially in pick and true. roll. But remember, back then, how much younger... All, I mean, all three of them, but particularly Steven and Shooter would have been. Well, I, I'm saying the, if you took them, if you if you took oh, them now and okay. put them on that team back yes. then, you know. Oh, that would have been a hell of a series. That would have been a seven game series. Okay, sorry. I think it sorry, already was a seven game series. One of them was. Oh yeah, I think, no, it, I think it was six. The one I'm thinking of was six. I good think point. one of them went six, and then the next year it was the same matchup, and they went seven. And that was the start. PG of, was like 23 years old, dude. Yeah, that was the start of the That's PG crazy. breakout because if you remember in Indiana, Danny Granger was the guy, and PG yeah. was like just this new kid that could be pretty good. And then Danny Granger got hurt, and by the time he came back, it was it was Paul's team. Hey, you know what's kind of funny that you brought that up and just kind of clicked in my head. That I just thought of a little similarity between Paul George and Russ. 
is that, you know, back at UCLA, that's kind of the way it was with Russ and Darren Collison, right? Uh, Russ was kind of brought in as like this defensive specialist. Mm-hmm. And when he was drafted, that's kind of what people thought of him as, this explosive uh, defensive specialist I, guard. I think, I think one of the, the comps what, for Russ whenever he got drafted was he could be a more athletic um, – oh, why did I just go blank? Oh, the grindfather. I, I, I did too. I know exactly what you're talking the about. The grindfather. Who is he? He played up at OSU. Tony Allen. Tony Allen. Tony he, Allen. He was seen yes. as a more athletic yes. Tony Allen. Yep. And then Paul George, you just mentioned, you know, was coming off the bench for, uh, for Granger, and he was supposed to be kind of like their defense specialist. And that's how he he talked about this. I think I read a story about it this offseason. I don't know if it was Brett or Royce or who, but that, you know, he, he talked about – the, the way he was able to gain playing time and gain the respect of his coaches and his teammates was grinding on defense. And then, you know, he's uh, Granger and people get hurt. He comes out, he starts to develop his offensive game. They start to see what he's capable of. Anyways, that's just something I thought of. It's kind of similar to how Russ kind of gained the respect of coaches, teammates, you know, even Presty and the, uh, before the draft. And then he developed into this offensive juggernaut that is yep. Russell Westbrook. And Paul George is stupid good on defense, dude. He's like, so good. God, and it helps good. having Ferguson and Abrinas, who are great wing defenders this season, or have been playing yeah. pretty solid defense. Ferg Fer- uh, has been uh, like underrated role. really good. I am really excited. If you remember the first game of the season against Golden State, the, the Thunder, no Russ. Ferg yep. had gone through the preseason, and, and he was just playing that unconfident, like deer in the headlights. basketball, he is maybe playing the most confident he's ever been right now. Even though he hasn't been with the team the past two games, I'm excited to see what he does tomorrow in Golden State. You know that this the That's same team point. 15 games later has has Ferg made a step, and so I'm really excited to watch that and see what he's able to do uh, because Ferguson, like a lot of times that they've been sliding Paul over to the better wing and then putting Ferg on the lesser wing. Uh, I mean, it's going to be the same case again tomorrow, but it's going to be PG on Kevin Durant and Ferg on Clay Thompson. So he's, yep. he's going to have That's his hands full. That's going to be full. a big test, yeah. And for Diallo, too, I think that'll be a good test for yeah. him as well. He is, he is definitely um, going to have his hands full tomorrow if Ferg plays. Now, we, right. we heard earlier today that he should be back with the team today, and so we, we would assume he's going to play, but... Uh, Nothing for sure as of yet. So, uh, and, that, and that is that's including. I know Eric Horn tweeted about an hour ago that Ferg was listed as out on tomorrow's injury report. Yeah, he's listed as out oh, for okay. personal reasons, but I I know that uh, Donovan said at shoot around earlier today that they expected Ferg to be back with the team tonight. So, okay, at shoot around tomorrow, that that status can change. Awesome. All right, you guys want to talk about some stuff going on around the association? Let's do it. All right, here's the best sounder we have. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> <laughs> So, since we talked last week, we have a, I mean, what would a, I, I feel like at this point, it's almost like the freaking Bachelor. There's always <laughs> something going on in the NBA. It's like a big, giant, you know, 
soap opera or something. I, I don't know. Or, it's the best, no, league. It's the best like, league in sports. Yeah, not soap opera. Um, it's like reality TV. A, yeah, yeah, it's like reality TV show. That's a good way to put There's it. There's always some drama um, somewhere. It, it's awesome. You got to love it. Uh, we're all we're all bought in. I guess the, the first bullet point I have here is something that happened today. J.R. Smith uh, came out publicly saying that he feels that the team, that the Cavs, are tanking. They aren't looking to win, and he doesn't want to be a part of that because he's old, and he still feels like he can contribute to a team, and he wants playing time, and he wants to win. So according to The Athletic, who was the first to report it, and then also uh, Brian Windhorse, uh, J.R. Smith is no longer participating participating with the Cavs, and uh, it, was a, it was a mutual thing between him and the Cavs, and he's waiting a trade. I, the Athletic came out later, said that it is unlikely that J.R. Smith is bought out, but they are looking to trade him and move him. And the the Cavs actually released a statement saying that, you know, they they wish Jr. and his family well. They appreciate and thank him for his contribution to the community, to the team. And I love this part: his role in the 2016 NBA championship. Um, but thanks for forgetting the, the score in Game One, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So basically, thank you for coming here in 2016, helping LeBron win. But we wish you would have left a long time ago. Um, anyways. What do you guys think about that? Do you have any ideas in mind where Jr. could go, or is he similar to a mellow situation where maybe he should just go play in China? I think Jr. can still contribute to a team somewhere. Uh, it, it's going to depend on on what the Cavs want for him. Like it's been reported that they want a first rounder for Kyle Korver, which I think is completely ridiculous absurd like they traded away a first rounder to get Kyle Korver because they were willing to mortgage everything to try to get LeBron the help to win a title and now Korver's 37 like you're not getting a first round if you get a first round pick for Korver it's going to be like top 20 protected or something uh for like one season and then it rolls over to like two seconds or something like that you know it's um so it, it's going to be interesting to, to see kind of what they want for him what what kind of return they think they can get because I think there is a limited market for JR, especially at that price point. Agreed. I, I, I absolutely agree that I think he still contributes somewhere, um, but I'm with you that it, it can't be too high of a, of an asking price. I mean, maybe what would you think? Like a second rounder? What do you guys think? Ooh. A second rounder? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think he's second, second rounder and rounder. salary filler. Yeah. There but the go. salary Let's... filler, you have to assume that Cleveland doesn't want to take on long long term money. You yep. know, so it's it's gonna be interesting. Like I, I think he will get traded. It's gonna be interesting to see how it happens and, and what the haul is. And he needs to stay away from the Thunder. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. No, I, I love him, but like dude, I don't know. If if you could buy cheap, like towards the deadline and get him for for the playoff push and basically have him take the 10 minutes that Diallo takes. Right. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he he's that guy that he will have games where he's absolutely balling out, having like a Shumpert-type night. He's on fire, and you're going to say, man, I'm glad we have him. There's going to be other nights where he comes in like Raymond Felton and Jack stuff that he has absolutely no – reason to jack up and that is he's true. one of those he, guys you hate yep. he, he's, he's, he uh, loves you, his own jump shot you want consistent guys going down the stretch That's and he's true. a guy that has proven consistency that he it can is either not win his or lose you a game <laughs> yeah <laughs> we 
I would I would want the J.R. Smith from two years ago. I'm not sure I want the J.R. Smith of this year, if that makes sense. I would agree. Hashtag pipe it up. Pipe it up. Pipe it up. You're trying to you're trying to get the pipe. <laughs> Still one of the greatest DMs in the history of Twitter. So good. So good. Um so another guy that has Twitter on fire right now is Kimba Walker. Cardiac Kimba. He's been playing out of his mind. He has 103 points in the last two games. That's a lot. Uh, the first of those, yeah. Hell yeah, it is. Uh, the first <laughs> of those, that's like a, it's like what a team's putting up uh, in a single game. It's just crazy. Uh, anyways, uh, he had I a thought you were trying 60- to. I thought you were trying to do the math there in your head. Just couldn't figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> So if you, uh, yeah, if you carry the two, and that, and carry the two you're like the Zach Galifianakis gif where like he's in the casino and all the, the math symbols are floating around yes, his head in the hangover. Yes. Yep. That's so good. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he, his, he had a career high of 60 points against the Sixers this past week. Um, that was a pretty cra- crazy game. We talked a little bit about Jimmy Butler in the last podcast. Um, you know, he's, they're kind of going through some growing pains with the Sixers, um, as he kind of gets acquainted and kind of gets comfortable with them. But that was a absurd game. You know, Kimba drops 60. Uh, Jimmy Butler in overtime goes down. He gets the game-saving block. The game, He saves it from going out of bounds, runs down to the other floor, and then just hits a dagger three-pointer to win it, which is pretty cool to watch. Unfortunately, it, it spoiled Kimba's career high of 60 points yeah but uh the next it was the next game i believe like two nights later they played against the celtics uh the hornets did get the win this time and kimba had 43 and he went off He's in the playing fourth out quarter. his mind yeah that and, fourth and quarter was 21 of those yeah 21 of those points was in the fourth God, which is insane so there's that's there's like a little bit of talk. yeah it's a chump against the thunder it's just crazy uh there's a little talk today and I don't know how much validity is behind this, but there was a radio broadcaster, I believe, um, out of Charlotte today. He was tweeting a little bit that the Hornets are interested in Bill, that they're trying to put together a package basically centered, centered around like salary um, to match Bill's salary, some picks, and then you know one or two of those young players that they have, like Monk um, or whoever who they draft this year. I forget his name. Um, anyways. Bridges. Bridges, yes. One, the other bridges. Uh, you know, something like that maybe might be able to get it done. But regardless, you know, with, with Kimba playing like this and with his contract coming up, they are wanting to get some help around Kimba. What are you guys' thoughts on Kimba? What should the Hornets do? Um, do you guys think they could pull off a bill trade, et cetera, et cetera? I like Kimba Walker, but I've also always been kind of curious to everyone, like, even the bad teams score points and get assists and someone's got to do it. So yeah, like, it's for, for Charlotte, it's Kemba. And if you take Kemba out of Charlotte and you put him on a different team and a more successful team, is he the same type of player? You know, I, I, I think he's good. I think he's a great offensive player, but I just, I just wonder if we, we kind of over evaluate him because he plays for such a crappy team. That's a good Definitely. point. I mean, think about think about Melo. Even the year before the Thunder, he was averaging like 21, 22 a game. And then he comes and plays on a team where he's not the one guy. And his you know, numbers get almost cut in half, it seems like. I think yeah. the same would happen with, with – I mean, I 
obviously it's a different situation. Melo's gotten older, but I think if you stick, like if if Kemba got traded to the Warriors and played with LeBron, I mean, I don't think he would put up near the numbers that he does with Charlotte. Lakers, Lakers, not Warriors. Don't scare me like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Not yet, not yet, buddy. Just wait that, till the summer. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the team I had in mind as well. And obviously, there's like the Suns, which wouldn't do much. I mean, they make the Suns uh, fighting for that eighth, seventh, maybe even sixth spot. But um, those are two teams, I guess, that could that are really targeting a point guard right now. Um, but moving on. A team who has a point guard, but apparently they might be trying to trade them away. The Washington Wizards are an absolute dysfunctional mess. Um, if Jacob didn't have to, or you know, I don't want to make it hard on him having to go back and edit the pod, I'd call it a a certain kind of show. Um, a shit show. To, uh, there you go. We can say shit on the podcast. We just can't <laughs> okay, say cool. the f word. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and if, yeah, it's that, that, that's our show. only rule now. We, we can say. Like dick or shit <laughs> or piss or ass, <laughs> but the f word like that. What about damn? That you can say damn. You can yeah. say hell. Damn. You can say what other words are there? I feel like I'm in high school again, <laughs> being told what I can say yeah. in the classroom. It's like going through. They always say ass. This you can word, say ass. This word. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, it's a it's a shit show. Um. Woj has reported the front office is now listening to offers for Wall and Bill. And this comes after, if I can find where I have this. Here we go. Um, this comes after The Athletic and others reported. I feel like The Athletic is reporting everything. It's just ridiculous. It's like they're basically the warriors of the media at this point. It's insane. But anyways, the Wizards had an absolute crazy practice a couple days ago. Uh, it, that included arguments between Bradley Bill and Austin Rivers, Jeff Green and John Wall. You know, John Wall t- apparently told Scott Brooks, like the nicest person in, in existence, to uh, you know, f you. Um, and and uh, in defense of John Wall, I also yelled f you at Scott Brooks a lot whenever Kendrick Perkins was playing twenty five minutes in the finals. So, that's a good point. That's, also, that's a fair point. This is going to be late news when people listen to this, but the Washington Wizards were getting the damn break speed off of them earlier tonight by the Clippers. And it is now down to a four-point game with eight minutes left. Oh, so the Wizards have clawed back against wow. the Los Angeles Clippers. Wow. I can feel a win streak coming. And Dwight yeah. Howard is still out because of a literal pain in the ass, which is yeah. the most like appropriate thing ever. He's just like a bad luck term everywhere he goes. It's ridiculous. Um but then at the end of this practice, Bill apparently like walks off, looks up at management and their owners, or no, it was sorry, team president uh, Ernie Grunfield, and he declared, "I quote unquote, I have been dealing with this shit for seven years. It starts top down." End quote. Drop Mike. He heads out of there. So Jacob, I think we need to take this guy to the trade machine. Let's do some trades. I got the trade sounder ready. You guys ready for this? This is a good one. You want a, my magic card for a Charizard? That's got Lunchables, Pokemon, and Donald Trump in it. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? It's basically so, our podcast in the sounder. Yeah, someone needs to hire me to do all this stuff. All right, I'm going to throw us a music bed behind us to 
to talk over here. I've got six trades for you guys. I'm going to propose them. You tell me. Uh, I don't know. We'll call this segment. Who says no? Because that's what everyone on Twitter says, right? LeBron James for a bag of potato chips. Who says no? So here are my trades for you. There's six of them. I'll give you the rundown of the trade. You guys discuss and tell me who says no. Trade number one. Otto Porter gets traded to Utah, who is kind of struggling. In return, the Wizards get Dante Exum and Derek Favors. Ooh. Who says no? I think the Jazz say no to that one. Ew. I think that one might go through. I really do. Uh, Favors has not been quite as good this season. Exum uh, is on that long-term, that, not long-term, that longer contract. I think he got three for 30. Right. And uh, the, the whole, not Exum, uh, Favors and Gobert twin tower lineup that they're trying just isn't really working, particularly kind of in this day and age in the NBA. They're actually um, playing Gobert and, oh, our music stopped. That's not good. They're actually playing Gobert and Jay Crowder more than the Gobert favors lineup. They're, they're, I they're think that like one embracing might go the small ball. So Taylor says this one goes through. Nick says that Utah says no. Yeah, just because you're giving up two guys that in the playoffs last year really were difference makers. For sure. Trade number two. I worked a while on this one. I, I enjoy this one. Bradley Beal to the Los Angeles Lakers. Lonzo and Contavious Caldwell-Pope to Phoenix. Ryan Anderson, Kyle Kuzma, and Phoenix's first rounder next June 2019 to Washington. Who says no? Lakers. That's a blockbuster. Lakers say no. Lakers are getting rid of Lonzo, KCP, and Kuzma for Beal. Uh, that's three guys that were starting at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, mainly because I think they're extre- and I, rightfully so. I think they're extremely high on, on Kuz. It's a good point. Oh, so you guys both think the Lakers say no to that one? Yeah, I'll go with Lakers say no. They'll, they'll win I think a, the other two teams are getting good deals. Yeah, <laughs> and the Lakers aren't. Yeah, I mean they're getting they're getting a decent deal, but they might want one more player or a pick or something. All right, the next one. That's tough. John Wall gets traded to the Detroit Pistons for Reggie Jackson, Stanley Johnson, and a 2020 first-round pick. So Wizards say no. Two years from now. You think the Wizards say no to that? You think they want Reggie Jackson? I mean, you think they want John Wall right now? <laughs> I, I'd still would take a disgruntled John Wall over Reggie Jackson. It's the the, the John Wall Jackson. Supermax kicks in next year, whereas Reggie Jackson has this year and next year, and then he's done. And you're saying okay. they get a first-round yeah. pick, too? Two years from now, right? Yep. Still, man, Detroit's not going to be that good anytime soon. I just feel like they're going to get so... Well, that's... I'm thinking Bradley Bill, I guess. So uh, that's true. I mean, it's going to be a low ball offer for John Wall. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, I, I I think Bradley Beal definitely has more value on the on the trade market for sure. And I think that the uh, the Wizards feel like they're more back against the wall with with ironically Wall than they are <laughs> yeah. with Beal. I feel like if I feel like they're, they're more willing to take 
less than value for Wall, and they're, they're more willing to hold on to Beal, just considering Wall seems to be most toxic. So you guys saying this one goes through? I think that would go through. I'm going to say Wizards still say no. All right. <laughs> I think they could do a little better. Trade number four. We just talked about him. J.R. Smith on the move. Pipe it up. To the Houston Rockets. Of course. <laughs> That's incredible. In exchange for Brandon Knight and a 2019 first-round pick. The Rockets oh, are assuming that pick will be pretty low because they think they're going to get back up into the top three in the West. So they're giving up Brandon Knight and their first-round pick this year in return for J.R. Smith. If I'm the Rockets, I say no. And that's yeah. because I wouldn't take J.R. for just the first-round pick, and I wouldn't take J.R. for just the player. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, don't, a, I don't think that's even individually that I would take best. J.R. for any of those guys, for either of those assets. Do you agree, yeah, Taylor? I'll, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go with you and say Houston says no. Okay. I just, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm super low on Jr. compared to a lot of people, but I just, I feel like at most he's worth a second rounder or a salary dump. I'm with you. All right, these last two, I tried to, to, number one, I tried to definitely make them realistic as much as yep. I could without bias. Uh, number two, they are both about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, the, the first one we talked about in the Slack earlier today, so I had to get it in here. Markeith Morris to the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder like, would... Yes, 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 yes. The Thunder would <laughs> send back Patrick Patterson, Raymond Felton, and Hamadou Diallo. Oh. 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 <laughs> I'm saying Yes. Oh, Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris. contract is up after this season. The Morris Twins do so much, and they've never demanded that much money. And they're and they're getting more and more versatile as their as their careers goes on. I mean, they do so many things. But they're getting old, and I love Hammy, and he's a future star. So I say no. <laughs> but it, but I would if you substitute T. Ferg in there or Brianna's in there, I I would be more tempted. Interesting. See, that, that, that one's tough because I'm Morris biased and Taylor's uh, Diallo biased. I know. I'm yep. so Diallo biased. It's really bad. <laughs> so Taylor says he thinks the Thunders say no. Nick says you think it goes through? I If I were the Thunder, I would take it. Do I actually think they would take it? No. Do you think the Wizards would take that? Yes. I do think so, yes. Okay. All right. The next one, the final one, number six. It's another Thunder one. I've it, it, it's a bit of a version of one that people have hated me on Twitter for. <laughs> Bradley Beal and Thomas Sadoransky to Oklahoma City. The Thunder sending back Schroeder, Robertson, Diallo, and Ferg. Mm, I can't That's so do it. hard. I can't do it. So it's a four I for know. two. You're losing three wings and Ferg, Robertson, and Diallo. You're also losing your backup point guard, Schroeder, to bring in Thomas Sadoransky as your backup point guard and Bradley Beal to probably soak up about 34 minutes a night at the two. I can't, I can't do, it do it either. I can't I do it. That's, it. It obviously depends on like what Dre we're talking about, but assuming Dre has the potential to come back 100%, 
I think, yeah, I agree with Nick. I think that's too much value going out for the Thunder. I think Thunder say no. I'll be honest. If we're going to trade for Beal, people keep saying, like, they don't want to get rid of Steve. They don't want to get rid of Russ. They don't want to get rid of uh, PG. I honestly don't know if there's a trade out there for Beal in which I'd be comfortable giving up um, Schroeder unless it was straight up with how well I think he's going to be running our second unit. Here's my opinion on that is that if the Thunder wanted to even put in a competitive offer in the bidding war on Beal, it starts with that package. And I don't think Washington wants Robertson. I can you even trade fair. him right now? And and I think they only bring in Schroeder if they also have a deal to send Wall out as well. I think other teams can offer much much better packages that Washington would want. Uh, if the Thunder don't trade Russ, P, or Adams, that becomes a very very difficult task. I agree. Can, with you. can you trade Robertson right now? Uh, you can if the other team waves uh, the physical because he, he can't take the physical. I don't know if any team's going to want to risk the injuries coming off of. Exactly. And th- this is the problem with the Thunder trying to trade for another big piece is they, they don't have those those medium-sized salaries. The only one they have is Schroeder's $15 million and Robertson's $10 million. Besides that, they either have guys on rookie deals or they have those really huge contracts like the like the ones that the big three have. So they, they don't have any of those middle-of-the-ground ones. You're right. That's so, very true. Yeah. All right. Well, so you guys both say the Thunder say no to that trade? Yes. yes. All right. Well, that is the end of our Who Says No segment. That was fun. That was really fun. I think that the Wizards are going to end up getting ripped off in this trade just because they're the team that has their backs against the wall and you never get full value. Yep. So I think a lot of these trade scenarios people are throwing out are honestly going to be higher than what they're actually going to take. I think they're going to get ripped. You think it's going to be like a Jimmy Butler thing all over all over again? I th- Yeah, but I think but worse. Oh, I mean, God. Jimmy Jimmy Butler, like, as as bad as he was as far as you know, doing it the way he did it and all that kind of stuff. At least he's an elite two-way player. John Wall is just kind of – he's always been a great point guard, don't get me wrong. But he's never – I still don't think he's ever been Jimmy Butler. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, anything else from around the association before we move on to our pop culture minute? Um. I mean, if you guys want, we can talk a little more more about Golden State. But I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I think they're like we talked about. They're going to be without, um, without Steph, without Draymond, and then without what's that that kid who like came out of the G League and been playing really well for them. Yeah. No, he's oh. a he's a small forward. Oh, I don't know. Um, God, I, I don't follow gosh, them that it. much. Starts with an M. Um, anyways, <laughs> that's really bad podcasting, and it's going to hit me as like. Probably like during pop culture minute or something random. Anyways, they have three players out. Uh, two of those obviously being very big pieces for them. And depending on how healthy we are, we might be a little shorthanded as well. But assuming we're close to full strength, I think this is a game that we should win. 
Obviously, there's still a lot of drama going on. Katie was just fined $25,000 for some comments that he made to a fancy court He would not be allowed to say that on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. He he let that fan have it. Uh, apparently, the fan, he was kind of kind of justified i think the fan might have uh throw some low loans about family or something or Ooh. something like that i don't know but he uh, told him I, quote shut the f up and watch the effing game yeah i can't say i haven't said that to people who are talking during a thunder <laughs> game before so That's, but you're not a superstar that has a reputation to uphold true true you got to be smart in that yeah, that's a good point um or just idiots on twitter responding to with stupid things like trade rust but uh, anyways, it KD's not in a very good mental state. I saw some crazy stat like he'd only hit like one of seventeen three pointers um, before last that last game um, since the Draymond. And now he's got to play against Paul George tomorrow and Russell Westbrook. Who's and I'm gonna so be excited, motivated to to lock him so down. So excited! All right, you guys let, have any, let's any move ideas? on. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I don't know. Do you guys have anything else you want to throw on that or? I just think looking forward to tomorrow. I think it's going to be a fun game. Two teams that are kind of banged up, but are both contenders, and we'll see which. I mean, it's going to come down to what teams, you know, role players and, and that kind of player does to win this game. Because you know, Russ and, and KD and all all the big names are going to do their part. I think it's going to come down to the other guys. Yep. I yep. hope. I hope Ferguson, not Ferguson, sorry, Abrinas and Nerlens are healthy and over their sickness. Because I definitely think the Thunder are deeper. I think the Thunder have the deeper roster. All right, let's do a pop culture minute. It's over 9,000! Winter is coming. I told you a million times, my teeth are coming in. It's called cleidocranial dysplasia. So winter is here. Uh, coming up in April 2019, um, the last season of Game of Thrones finally comes out. I know there's rumors of the episodes being incredibly long. It's almost going to be like watching a movie every single week, which is fine with me. I think each Sounds episode incredible. is at least 75 minutes. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Um, but... There's been two sets of Vegas odds that have come out about Game of Thrones that I thought were super interesting, and I kind of wanted to get your guys' takes on them. Uh, the first one, it is the odds to be the ruler of Westeros at the end of Game of Thrones Season 8. Uh, just to run through uh, some of the top um, odds, uh, Bran, John, Daenerys, the Night King, Arya, and Tyrion. Um, in that order are the leaders, according to this, um, Odd Sharks odds to be the ruler at the end of season eight. Do you guys not only agree with that order, um, but also who do you think will be sitting on um, the throne at the end of season eight? Okay, so first off, if you haven't watched all of Game of Thrones, we're not going to talk hoops for the re- like the final five minutes of this podcast. So if you don't want spoilers, I would uh, I would avoid this part because. Maybe not. Maybe Nick not as much so as Taylor and I. But oh yeah, we're we're we're, all we're about to get the... some shit here, man. <laughs> so I think my my odds on bet if I had to bet money on it is going to be Daenerys 
Daenerys will sit the Iron Throne as queen, even though um, I think her and Jon end up getting married, and he would technically be the king. I think Daenerys sits the throne with Tyrion as her hand, and the little Targaryen baby in Daenerys' stomach will be the heir. So that's yeah. I actually I think that that baby's going to be born. I think that's going to be one of the like big final scenes. Like where we have the song of ice and fire. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that baby's going to be born, and I think it's going to be them three over, rolling over, quote unquote, the ashes of Westeros after the big great war. Yeah, kind of the um, rebuild with the with the others. Um, That's yeah, that's my guess there. Um, But I think it's going to be a little more dramatic than that. Yeah, I think some, uh, some not, underrated bets would be like Tyrion. I think Tyrion, I, I'm, I'm on board of he's going to, just because of that scene with Cersei he had last season in the finale, I think he is going to put finally put his family above others. I think he's going to betray Jon and Daenerys. Oh, that's I think it's going to be Arya. She's my favorite character. And so I, will, I love will Arya. it be Arya or will it be Arya wearing the face of somebody else? I think Arya makes it, but I think she her final her final like scene I think is gonna be super dramatic. And she's like her uh, Macy Williams like had a interview where she talked about how dramatic her final scene was. I think she makes it until the end, but she's finally gonna realize like it's gonna be a similar quote like to the kind of like a callback to one of the the first seasons or like one of her lines in the book and one of the very first books where she says you know I'm I, when she's talking to Sansa and she's talking about how I'm not made to be a what was it? A prince, not a princess, a but a, a lady. Uh, it's going to be something similar to that. And we're going to see her like on a boat shipped off to on, on her next adventure. Um, that's my guess for Arya. Interesting. She's just, she's just done so much on her own and like, which is so why I think char- she makes it. Yeah. There's so much character development. She's done so many little like tasks and things throughout the seasons by herself where I feel like all these little tasks are going to equip her to, eventually rule one of the saddest yeah. mo- i know there's been so many deaths and like sad moments in this series i think maybe one of the saddest ones for me was this past season when Arya makes it up to the riverlands and runs into her wolf nymeria yes and nymeria, yes. like they have this connection but then nymeria kind of just wanders off like Nymeria is her is her own person now, kind of like Arya is her own person, and she's no longer really a Stark. That that made me sad. Yeah. All the symbolism. Yeah. All the symbolism. Ever if if you parallelism. The, the 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 outcome of the the Stark children match the outcome of the wolves one hundred percent. Yep. It's just how it goes, and so, so ghosts better be in the final season, or I am going yep. to be livid. Lady Lady <laughs> got killed, and then Sansa basically l- became not a woman of the North anymore. Um, Rob Stark got killed. Grey Wind got killed. So it's it's everything just kind of matches up. So what's the second set of odds, Nick? Second set of odds is who is the most likely to die first in the upcoming season? Uh, the first top- is difficult. Yeah, the top so four hard. choices are the Mountain and the three Greyjoys. Um, after that, uh, the, the odds are pretty spread out. At, at that point, I think it's pretty much fair game to pick just about anybody at that point. Um, who do you guys think is the first to die in the next season? Oh, so hard. For, yeah, first to die is so hard to say. 
Um, There's just no telling. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say uh, I think it's either going to be Tormund or it's going to be Ed. And I think what's going to happen is like apparently I don't know. I read some other article. I I read a lot when the season was over. I was being deprived of Game of Thrones, and there was some other article with one of the directors who said. Yes, we're supposed to feel like uh, Ed and Tormund both made it, you know, after spoiler alert, by the way, after the ice dragon comes in, like burns down or melts down or crashes through the wall. Um, we Ed and Tormund are not dead yet is kind of how they put it. Um, so I would assume that they make it to Winterfell. They're able to warn everybody at Winterfell about the others breaking through the wall and being very close. That sets up the first battle between the others and um, everybody at Winterfell, and then I think one of them are going to be the first ones to die during that battle. That's my prediction. So let me ask you guys, not first to die, who do you think the uh, the biggest character, like the most important plot character to die will be, or the one that's going to upset you the most? Jamie, Jamie Lannister probably. This one makes me sad because, Nick, I am totally on Team Arya as well. She's maybe my favorite character in the books and the show. Uh, I think Arya dies before the season's over. No. I think, I think we lose Arya. Like a final no. scene? Like I think a final we lose episode, Arya. I, I do not think we lose Bran. I agree. With, There's no yeah, way we can lose Bran. Bran is, to me, and the books and the show are so much different than each other, but to me, Bran is maybe the most important character as far as abilities and, uh, and significance. So I don't think Bran dies. I think Arya will die, and it's going to make me really sad. It's just so hard to even have an idea. Um, I mean, watching the first season, I thought Ned Stark was going to be the main character for yeah. the rest of the yeah. show. <laughs> and then you know what happened. So it's like, I really don't. They can take it so many different ways that someone that's not that big of a character right now ends up being one of the main characters at the end of the season. Yep. You brought you brought up Bran, and I'm super intrigued with the whole Bran storyline. First of all, no, I, I I love having fun with it, but I do not think that Bran is going is the Night King. But I'm super intrigued. I really like Jacob's theory about him being Bran the Builder from way yeah, back he, when. He's I ev- love that. He's love every that. Bran that's ever been a Stark. Love that, and it's going to continue. It's going to continue yep. forward. I love that. Now, one name that's on this list though um, that I kind of want to bring up just very briefly is a uh, Varys. That whole prophecy that uh, Melisandre like brought up to him about, you know, what did the flame, the voice in the flame say to you? Um, you know, it, oh yeah, we, when they chopped off know. his dick and threw it in the fire. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see what his ultimate. I mean, obviously he dies, but I'm super intrigued to see how that, whether it's the other, whether it's a dragon. Yeah, kind of what his end game is. Yes, or if he's like sacrificed for something. Um, I've like read crazy theories of like he's the Nisa Nisa in order yeah. for Lightbringer, you know? Yeah. It's just yep. crazy stuff. It's crazy uh, stuff. I think Daenerys is Nisa Nisa, but don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I can, um, yeah. Last thing for Game of Thrones before we get out of here Jon Snow. Final. Final episode airs. We get to the final credits, and we have no more Game of Thrones. It is over. Is Jon Snow alive at the end, Taylor? Yes. Nick? No. Ooh, all right. Let's play the outro music. 
<laughs> oh god, that was loud. Sorry. <laughs> hey, thanks for checking out our podcast. We are still burning out post-game podcasts after every game, so make sure you guys are checking this out. We wanted to get this out to you guys, this this group one, before the, the Golden State game and Thanksgiving. Give you guys a little something to listen to because the next four days are pretty busy. Golden State, Thanksgiving, then Thunder play Charlotte, then Thunder play Denver. So it's going to be... Uh, uh, they got a lot on the schedule, man. Hopefully, they will have a full squad tomorrow in San Francisco. We will see. Besides that, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts at. We really appreciate the the iTunes ratings. Keep climbing up and up and up. We're getting more and more and more, and we really appreciate that from you guys. So just keep churning those out. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at the underscore uncontested. We live tweet every game. I am on Twitter at thundermob405. Nick is at two cranes. Taylor's at Taylor underscore P15. You guys have a great holiday. We appreciate you guys listening to us, checking us out, uh, riding along with us this season. We hope you have a great holiday weekend. Enjoy some Thunder basketball. Enjoy some football. Check this out instead of listening to your racist uncle talk uh, after you guys eat turkey. (laughs) And we will be back with you, I guess. Someone will be back with you tomorrow evening after the Golden State game. So, yep. Take it easy and thunder up. Thunder up. Damn. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.